Welcome back to Think Smart, Act Smart, a project of Partners in Shaduchim. At Partners in Shaduchim, everyone is networking. Who is everyone? Singles, parents, family of singles, and Shadchanim and friends. New profiles are submitted to our office daily. Hundreds of people are searching the database every day. They are searching the database to find a match for themselves or for a single they know. People are using the pin search engine to narrow down the right person or persons they want to learn more about and match. Why wait until someone calls you with an idea? Search on your own and reach out to the single shadchan or pal listed on their profile or have your shadchan or pal call them on your behalf. Check out our website, partnersandshadduchim.com. Our interviewer today is Dr. Leah Adams, a psychologist in private practice in Muncie, New York. She has a female-focused practice helping women navigate the challenges of life. In addition to her private practice, Dr. Adams is a lecturer and published author. Most importantly, she loves to ask questions. Today, we welcome Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, Senior Rabbi of VRF, the Boca Raton Synagogue, whose membership of 950 families makes it the largest Orthodox synagogue in the Southeast United States. Rabbi Goldberg's motto of value and diversity and celebrating unity creates an atmosphere that is welcoming to a tapestry of Kali Yisrael. The Shul menu list includes Ashkenaz, Sfard, and Shtibel-type Minyanim, as well as a youth menu. And the membership list spans all ages and levels of religious commitment. The Shul hosts religious services, Shi'urim, and a wide range of community events as well. Welcome, Rabbi Goldberg. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Rabbi Goldberg, as you know, Partners in Shidduchim is always trying to find ways to empower singles and facilitate the ability for singles to date and find their marriage partner. Some of our singles are just beginning to enter the dating scene, and some have been on their search for quite a long time. With the diversity of Jews housed within your congregation, what differences and similarities do you see between what is helpful for the older as opposed to the younger singles? It's a great question. The truth is that we use that word singles somewhat uh, with a disservice because we use one word to capture people. You could have singles in their 70s and 80s looking for companionship and singles in their early 20s and everything in between. You could have uh, from such different backgrounds. You could have enormous diversity. So when we use that word singles to uh, subsume or include everybody, it's a little bit of a disservice. And there are some, some differences to what degree they are relying on or leaning on parents or others to guide them in the dating process versus practicing some independence in choosing whom to date and how to date. But I think the biggest difference perhaps is people assume that the older you get and the longer you're single, the smaller a pool of possibilities that you have. And in some ways, statistically, that's probably true. But there's an advantage if you're a little bit older, and that is you're more mature. You've experienced a little bit more of life, and therefore your priorities can shift. You understand a little bit more what's important, what is central, what's critical, and what's secondary at best and really ultimately not that important. So I think this is the service and mistake some people make that talk about that the older somebody gets, they're beginning to settle. Settle's a, a negative connotation. It's a negative word. And nobody should have to settle from their dream of who they're looking for in a partner, in a mate, in a, in a 
Bashir who's going to complete them. So rather than view it as settle, you know, go view it as to realign or to reprioritize or to recognize uh, at a different stage of life, a more mature and developed stage of life, more experienced stage of life, what really matters, what's important, and what will help build towards that future one wants. So maybe you're actually clearer, you're saying, the older that you get. You can be. It depends. You know, the older person, not everybody's uh, the same, but, you know, sometimes the older person, again, is, is still clinging to what they were looking for, though they've been dating for a decade or two, and in which case uh, they're going to find greater frustration. But the older person who pivots and adjusts, who reprioritizes, realigns, who has a life and an identity independent of their dating career, might, in fact, even find an advantage of the fact that they're a little bit later in life and still dating. Okay, and what are some of the similarities that you're going to see? You're saying those are the differences. What are some of the similarities that you see between uh, the older and younger members of your congregation that um, have not yet found their mate? I think some of the similarities are, are, first of all, having to go through a process which requires patience, requires humility, sometimes can require frustration, disappointment, rejection, and ultimately requires an enormous amount of faith. Um, I think it's a very acute or focused area of life where there's high expectations and dreams and one has to recognize that as much as we take initiative, as much as we make an effort, as much as we put ourselves out there, ultimately Hashem has a plan for every one of us. And while we do all that we can, ultimately we have to submit and surrender to His plan. And that is a commonality, that is a similarity that all who are looking to realize a dream will face in Shiduchim and elsewhere, but here older and younger singles alike need to do everything that they can, network, take initiative, learn, grow, put themselves out there, be open and flexible, and at the end of the day recognize that Hashem has a plan for every single one of us, and we need to regularly renew and restore, and regularly we need to uh, revisit that sense of emunah, that dveikas, it's, it's a platform, the dating process, it can be unwelcome by some, but it provides a platform and an opportunity, a stage to really grow, to grow as a person in Amuna, to grow with patience, and to be able to grow, to realize that we work for him, we're on his timeline, he's not on ours. And so what, what younger and older singles have in common is in practicing this Amuna and this Bitachon and this opportunity and invitation for Dveikos is Tefillah. You know, the Gemara talks about all kinds of initiatives we take for Parnassah, having children in different areas of life, and reminds us that you can't do one without the other. You can't sit on your couch passively waiting for Hashem to do miracles, even if you'll say Tehillim all day, frontwards and backwards. But you also can't exert too much initiative, and all you're doing is uh, believing in ourselves and our ability and not dominating at all. It requires the combination of the two. And so here too, whether younger or older, whether the person in Shaduchim themselves or the people who love them, family, friends, uh, a person has to daven for the other. And that's the way we express that amun, is to ask Hashem to step in. Ironically, Shiduchim, the Gemara tells us, Hashem, that's what He's doing since creation. He's been occupied and preoccupied with making these introductions, with bringing about Shiduchim. We know Abbas Kol went out 40 days before conception to announce who would marry whom. And, and yet, in the area where we're supposed to have the greatest level of surrender that Hashem is in charge, and to do a minimal effort is an area where people struggle because they're doing a maximum effort, maybe too much effort, maybe trying too hard. So we have to find that balance no matter what age between the effort we put in and ultimately recognizing tefillah. We have to daven to Hashem, talk to Hashem, express our disappointment and frustration, appeal to Him, object to Him, protest, express gratitude for the opportunities and the lessons and the learning that we do, but ultimately to use it as a, 
as an opportunity to draw closer to him. Beautiful message, Rabbi Goldberg. We had talked about the age difference and how that affects people that are looking for their mates. What differences and similarities do you see between what is helpful for, let's say, the Ashkenazic congregants that you have who are not yet married and the Sephardic congregants? Particularly, how can these differences be addressed in an attempt to broaden the dating base? Sure. So, you know, there are fundamental differences culturally, obviously, in halacha. Sephardim and Ashkenazim have different traditions, different misora, different backgrounds, different uh, authorities of halacha. Um, so in actual practice, but not just halachic practice, culturally there are significant differences, um, including the assumption among Sephardim in particular, not all Sephardim, of course, these are generalizations, sometimes unfair, but that one will live close to family, perhaps continue in the same family profession and career, maybe a little bit more of an emphasis to marry within not only the Sephardic tradition, but Moroccans marrying Moroccans and Persians marrying Persians and the like. Right. Again, not true for everybody, but there can be more of that, of that emphasis than there is within the Ashkenazi tradition. So I think, you know, a person has to know where they come from. They have to know what matters, what's important, and they have to find that balance between staying true to where they come from and, and the people who have expectations of them, while also not locking themselves in and realizing that within the Torah world, there are uh, many opportunities. There are 12 tribes. There are Shivam Panam La Torah, and there are opportunities uh, we've seen within our community. Certainly, we all have uh, friends, uh, but people, Ashkenazim, inspired them who, so to say, intermarried beautifully, and they draw from each other's traditions, and they combine and complement one another to create a magnificent tapestry and children who draw from the best of, of all worlds. So how to stay true to one's tradition without compromise or corruption, and yet be willing to be open a little bit and flexible to connect and see what else is out there. You speak of there being a middle class in a show, a group that never seems to be center stage. Can you explain how singles can avoid falling into that gap? After all, community involvement enhances self-worth and affords the single exposure and status, which can both be helpful in the dating scene. Sure. It, it's a great question. When I talk about the middle class and shul life, what I mean is that the people in crisis get a lot of attention from the Rabbanim and others, and deservedly so. Whether it's financial crisis, they need help. Tom Cheshab is chesed, emergency. Whether it's people going through a crisis of a family that's dissolving, God forbid, illness and the like. And then you have the people who keep the lights on, the large donors who enable and support the Torah institutions, and they need attention. And what can happen is that the middle class of Jewish communal life get neglected unless they have an emergency or a halachic shayla or Jewish life cycle, they can be neglected. And that's it's a sad and it's an unfortunate thing, and I hope that it's something we can change. So the question of singles actually falls right into that because singles as an, a, a, a group can sometimes be lumped together, right? What's the shul? What's the community doing for singles? Do we have singles programming? Are we inviting singles? And people can use the term single in a negative way, as if they're a nebuch case, a chesed case, as if they need our, our help. And the truth is that singles do not need to be in the position that they're taking. They don't have to be the recipient of others' kindness. Just because a person's marital status is single, that doesn't have to define who they are. That's not the total identity of the person. It's a part of their identity for sure and for certain, but it's not the total identity. We have interests, we have hobbies, we have talents and skills, we have professions and careers, and we have leadership capacity to contribute and to make a difference and to give and to transform the community in which we live. So I think both on the community, to not look at singles as being locked into that identity as if it's the sum total of who they are, neglecting or overriding the other components of who they are, and the singles themselves, 
to recognize that perhaps that's a stage of life, and perhaps that is what they would fill in for a, a marital status, but that's not all of who they are. Singles can also host others. Singles can also network and create programming among, among themselves. Singles can rise to leadership positions, can contribute in ways that others, that others can't. So a person can be single, well-educated, sophisticated, <coughs> and positioned, talented to make a real difference in life. And I think that we should recognize that while a person may be single at the moment and they are eager to find their mate and build a family and a home and transition to a different stage of life, but that doesn't lock them in in a way that limits them. They still have enormous capacity, and singles should take that initiative, and we, the community, should also be open to not seeing them only in that way, should invite them to take on those other roles, and should welcome them. We need their voices. We need their talents. So show committee heads should think to reach out to the singles for the different committees, and, and the singles themselves should reach out to accept that position as committee chairman or go to membership meetings and volunteer for committees. And this way, they would see themselves differently and the community would see them differently. Correct. So certainly communal leadership roles like that. But more than just that, you know, a lot of singles in communities, depending on the age that they're singles, we're not talking about younger singles now, but can often wait to be invited to the home of those who are married. But singles can also invite a family to their home and play the role of host or hostess. They can also have an identity independent of just being that, of just being that single. So, you know, there are, there are married people with many kids and grandchildren who don't have the talents and the skill set that singles do, and the community would benefit from the skill set of the singles. So that is just one component, not the sum total, and I think that we all need to broaden the way that we view people around us and not lock them in in that one definition. Rabbi Goldberg, in your podcast series, The Best Version of You, I see that your first lecture is titled Growth Mode, Not Survival Mode, right? In our work at Partners in Shaduchim, we are always encouraging singles to be proactive and not to remain stagnant. Um, Can you share with us some of the lessons from your lecture or from Chazal that can, in fact, motivate the singles and everyone else who is listening to shift out of survival mode and into a more growth-oriented mode. Sure. So the truth is we're limited with time, so I'll just try to touch on a few things. The Maharal, in his commentary on Pirkei Avos, tells us whenever we see things that are mentioned in threes in Pirkei Avos, it's not a coincidence. The number three represents the three relationships we have in our lives. And people know two of them, and that's what we focus on. Ben Adam Lachavero, our interpersonal, and Ben Adam Lamakam, our relationship, of course, with Hashem. But the Maral emphasizes, as do others, there's a third relationship we have, arguably the most critical, that the other two depend on the health of this one, and that is Ben Adam Laatmo. What is our relationship with ourselves? How well do we know ourselves? How developed are we? Are we in growth mode? Are we living the same year over and over again and calling it a life? Or every year are we becoming different? Are we growing? Are we advancing? Are we progressing in who we are and in fulfilling our mission of why we are here? And the Maral goes through Pirkei Avos, the great exercise. Every time you see the number three, how the three correspond to those three relationships. And I think that in life, a lot of times singles can see themselves in a holding pattern. I'll never forget, I once heard at a rabbinic convention a single talking to the rabbis, an older single. And it was a man and he said, do you know what it's like that my kitchen has mismatched plates and utensils because I'm never going to buy a set of cutlery or a set of plates because any day now I'm going to get married and I'm going to go with my wife. We're going to choose it together. So for the last X number of years, 
I'm living in this limbo, this holding pattern, where my furniture, my kitchen, nothing is the way it should be because I don't want to take that move because any day now I will be getting married. And what's true physically in terms of the furniture or kitchen many people have in their attitude towards life, I'm in a holding pattern right now. I'm just trying to survive. I'm trying to get through this until I find that other person, and then I can graduate to the next stage of life. But it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to be stuck or locked in survival mode. person can be in that growth mode, growth we're growing ourselves. How are we improving? How are we transforming? What are we learning about ourselves? What are we discovering? And what difference can we make in this world? And one of the differences we can make in this world is to not only pursue our own Shiduchim, and that's the beauty of this amazing organization, program partners and Shiduchim, is to contribute to others finding their Bashar, others finding the happiness that we earn. We know Chazal say that the best route and the fastest uh, way for us to be heard is to daven for someone else who needs the very same thing that we're looking for. And in some ways, shidu- uh, singles are well-positioned in the area of shiduchim. To go on a date with someone and it's not right for you, but to think, who do I know that this would be a good idea for? Singles don't have to be, and they're not. I know I'm not saying anything that many singles don't know and don't live regularly. I'm not a single. So I know that so many singles already understand this. But singles have friends. They know others in similar positions. They know those friends well. And because now they've been on a date, as opposed to a married child who's speculating what it's like to be on a date with that person, now that single is in a position that even when there was someone who wasn't right for them, who might it be right for? How can they network? You know, imagine if, if, if singles would connect with someone similar to them, both want to make Aliyah, both want to marry someone in this career, both want a long-term learner, both want whatever similarities they can draw, and then say, we're in it together. We're dating similar type people. If you go out with someone who's not right for you, would you have me in mind? I'll have you in mind. And for singles to go from being the recipient of others writing Shaduchim to being Shadchanan themselves, to be partners in making Shaduchim. It's part of a mindset of growth as opposed to being in that holding pattern of Benadun La'asma, of positioning ourselves to be making a difference in other people's lives. Right, and that's something that they can easily do on the Partners in Shidduchim site because they have the opportunity to look up other people by either by location or uh, religious orientation or profession, etc. So if they find somebody that they want to date, it would be easy to go on the site and try to reach out to the other person's personal advocate and say that, hey, I went out with this guy so-and-so, seems like a nice guy, I see in your profile you're looking for the similar things that I am. Um, and all of this is accessible information that they could have on the Partners in Shidokin site. Exactly. Okay. Um, all right. This next question, I'm going to admit, involves a little unabashed name dropping, but I think Rabbi Goldberg will appreciate it. Uh, in addition to the series, The Best Version of You, I also enjoyed an episode of your series, Behind the Bema Program which you co-host with Rabbi Josh Brody and Rabbi Philip Moskowitz. The episode which caught my attention was the October 2020 interview with the well-known political conservative Ben Shapiro. In it, Rabbi Moskowitz poses, it's always interesting to see what questions you're posing to your guests. So um, here you're assuming that it's going to be political questions and everything else, and Rabbi Moskowitz poses an interesting question about relationships to, uh, to Ben. He asks your guests, would you rather have relationships with those who might disagree with him or with those who basically adore him blindly? So Mr. Shapiro responded that if he thinks someone cares about him, he'd rather the brutal honesty. So 
I imagine you need to have very tough skin to be in the public eye. Um, I think many would agree that there is a certain charge and excitement in a relationship that involves different opinions and analyses. That's where the fascination in Mr. Shapiro's show evolves from, right? People are formulating political opinions, agreeing, disagreeing, etc. Um, but how does a single figure out when this is a positive, healthy banter, the stuff that intellectual stimulation or constructive criticism is made of, and when it reflects a negative trait of inflexibility or critical nature on the part of a date? That is a fantastic question. It's a really important question. As important all the research is and all else is to actually learn from the date itself what you're seeing in the other person. So I think that um, having robust conversation, even disagreeing in life, is not only not a bad thing or it's not a concession, it's the reality of the world the way that Hashem made it. We're all different. And that's not my observation. It's Chazal's. The Medrash says that if you see an ochlosen shal b'nei adam, you see a myriad of people standing together, there's a bracha you make. And the bracha includes, you acknowledge that Hashem is chacham arazam, that kashem she'en partsufoseim dom zelazeh, kach ein daitan shavin zelazeh. The same way that no two people look exactly the same, so two opinions are different. He created us with different DNA. He created us with different facial features, body types, different appearances. He created us with different skill sets and personalities. And those personalities, we learn from one another. It brings out the best in one another. We push one another. We persuade one another. We compliment one another. And that's Chazal like in marriages. We bring together people who are different. To split water was miraculous. To take something that's naturally one, the Maharal explains, and divide it into two is a miracle. And to take people who are naturally two and make them one through marriage is equally extraordinary, supernatural. It's equally a miracle. So the assumption shouldn't be we're going to marry a clone. What would life look like? How would marriage be if we married a clone? We agreed, we had the same interests, we were exactly the same, we we're a carbon copy of one another. It'd be the most boring, ungratifying, unsatisfying marriage. What makes marriage meaningful is having to negotiate through differences, having conversations, learning, challenging one another, having to accommodate one another. So the first point is that seeing that there are differences, different ways of looking at the world, again, not on core issues, if it's on a core thing with different lifestyle choices, those can be deal breakers. But if it's about life in general, to complement one another, that can be something very beautiful, something important. I think the thing to look out for is, does the other person have a different opinion in a way which is judgmental? Do they have contempt? Are they condescending? Do they cut me off and not let me share my opinion? Do they not um, validate my right to have my own opinion? Are they never open to learning from my opinion? You know, Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits talks about one of the, the habits of highly effective people is first seeking to understand before being understood. So on a date and in courtship, does the other person, do they seek to understand me or do they always only want to be understood themselves? And I think when you see the differences are okay, but is there a healthy dialogue, respectful conversation, openness and willingness to, to be wrong or to learn and to listen even if one continues to disagree or are differences communicated with contempt and, and in a condescending way, in which case that's not, those are not the cornerstone or the building blocks of a healthy marriage. Beautiful. I think that, I, I think that was a very clear delineation and something that is so important because we don't want people to get in a relationship where they feel they can no longer be themselves. On the other hand, like Rabbi Goldberg is saying, we do want to be able to welcome the fact that somebody else is now a part of my life and whatever they bring to the table is something that I want to incorporate into myself. So I think that was a, a beautiful clarification. 
Thank you Thank so you. much, Rabbi Goldberg, for sharing your insights with us. Um, we hope that you've all enjoyed this episode of Think Smart, Ask Smart, the podcast extension of Partners in Shidochim. Log on now and set up your personal profile today. Browse profiles of potential dates. Connect with others who, like you, are searching to make matches for themselves or for singles that they know. Go to www.partnersinshidochim.com today. We are here for you.